Hello and welcome to All About Apprenticeships, brought to you by the HomeServe Foundation. I'm Georgie Frost and in this brand new series we aim to lift the lid on apprenticeships in this country. I'll be talking to celebrities, politicians, leading experts in this field and organisations like the British Army to find out where we are now, where we're heading post-Brexit and Covid and why apprenticeships are so important. There are about 1,500 different apprenticeships that people can study which go across the different levels and across every single industry and skill that you could hope to learn. everybody to be saying, I want to do an apprenticeship now. They're high quality, and they're fantastic. I see it as my kind of responsibility, really, to work with teachers to help to expose them to this brilliantly exciting world of apprenticeships. We'll also be following a group of apprentices on their journey to find out what it's really like. So whether you're an apprentice yourself or you're weighing up your options, perhaps you're an employer considering taking apprentices on, or you just care about the future of employment and services in this country, then this is a podcast for you, because apprentices really do affect us all. Later on, we'll be hearing from the CEO of HomeSurf, Richard Harbin, about why the company set up the HomeSurf Foundation and why apprenticeships matter so much to him. But first, we're going to kick off episode one by getting down to basics. What is an apprenticeship? What are the benefits for employers? What schemes are in place to support them? What more needs to be done in this uncertain world we now find ourselves in? to help us. We've recruited a team of experts to answer these questions and plenty more throughout the series. So a very warm welcome to Laura Burley, who is the Apprenticeship Ambassador at the Open University, Tim Smith, Director of Policy at White Hat, and Anna Morrison, CBE, who's the founder and CEO of Amazing Apprenticeships. Welcome to you all. Okay, so Anna, what exactly is an apprenticeship? Is it just something for young people? Absolutely not. Um, Really happy to put that myth to bed, really. Um, I think sometimes people think apprenticeships are just for young people, just for individuals who perhaps might be leaving school or starting out in their career. But we've seen huge growth in apprenticeships for adults age 25 plus. And I think actually at the moment they make up a bigger percentage of the start numbers than we see for younger apprentices. Um, So apprenticeships can now be suitable for any individual of any age really because they range right from level two through to level seven which is a master's um, qualification so um, so absolutely not just for young people and definitely for individuals of all ages. So level two to level seven people might be listening thinking "Mm, what Uh, Tim how does it work this level system and what onus is on employers? What do they have to do? Um, talk us through the levels and I guess the range of industry areas where you will find them. Well, I think this really goes to the heart of the point that apprenticeships really can be for everyone. Um, there is, uh, it does sound quite complicated, the numbering system, um, but essentially level two is a is a uh, less academic qualification um, for people who are earlier on in their careers and level seven is the very opposite end of the spectrum. Um, and the point is, there are about 1,500 different apprenticeships that people can study, which go across the different levels and across every single industry and skill that you could hope to learn. Uh, and they can meet you 
wherever you are. So if you happen to be someone who's left school, either with A-levels or without, there will be a qualification available for you in almost every career choice you could take. And likewise, if you're someone who's maybe 20 years into their career and you're looking to reskill and get some qualifications that are going to take you to that next level, again, there'll be something there for you. The thing that unites them all, the common theme, is that it's learning on the job. So you're learning these skills, you're testing them day to day alongside a job um, in partnership with both an employer who is paying your salary and facilitating the time you spend training and also a learning provider, somebody who's providing the coaching, the training, the teaching, uh, and therefore allows you to gain the skills that are going to be relevant for that job. Anna, how do we ensure quality though? There's been loads of changes that the government have made actually to try and improve the quality of apprenticeships over recent years. So um, every three, every few years, it feels like we go through an apprenticeship reform and there's been a big one on quality. So um, working with training providers, there's been a lot of work that's gone into um, ensuring that the provision, the training provision is of a high quality and a high standard. But also they've been looking at the experience of the apprentice. So one of the big changes that they've made in recent years is to introduce something called 20% off the job learning, which is basically that the individual who's taking the apprenticeship must receive paid time away from their normal work to be able to undertake their apprenticeship learning. So um, prior to this, we may have had apprentices um, doing some of their learning in the evenings or in the weekends. And obviously, you'll still get a bit of that. But um, for many individuals now, they well, for all individuals, they have to receive a minimum of 20% of their paid time to be able to work towards their apprenticeship. That's been a massive step forward, um, I think, in improving the quality of the programme. All training providers are Ofsteded. So Ofsted is a word that typically you might associate with school or early years provision and colleges, but um, apprenticeships are Ofsteded as well. So they will be inspected. Laura, Anna's spoken there about how apprentices have changed over the years and the current system that we have in this country. But what is it really like? Is it working properly for everyone, particularly Um, For disadvantaged young people, the Social Mobility Commission saying in June that the apprenticeship system was failing those young people. Uh, Yes, that's a good question because apprenticeships are crucial. If the government's talking about its levelling up agenda and providing opportunities for young people, apprenticeships are going to be a critical way of doing this because you're, again, you're going back to turbocharging your career, your learning and earning so it's really important that apprenticeships are, um, there is opportunities for everyone to do it. And I think it's actually quite an interesting debate because you want everybody to be doing apprenticeships because I think that shows the prestige in them. They're not for certain groups of people or for people that couldn't necessarily go to university, for example. Actually, you want everybody to be saying, I want to do an apprenticeship now. They're high quality. and They're fantastic. So I think what we need to be looking at in the future is how can we ensure that apprenticeships or opportunities to gain an apprenticeship are, everybody has that equal opportunity. So when applying for that job or chatting to parents or teachers, people know how to write a CV, how to apply for that apprenticeship. The opportunities, obviously, at the moment, if lots of people are are working from home, how do you interview for an apprenticeship from your laptop in your bedroom? Do you have a laptop in your bedroom? So just making sure the opportunities are there for everybody 
And then once that apprentice is on the program, they're getting the right coaching, the right support. You know, what's it like to be in a workplace? Many people might not have been, if, if they're in an office, they might be a nursing apprentice, they might be a police apprentice. You know, they're very different um, opportunities and it's having the support in place for people from diverse range of backgrounds and you know, people with learning disabilities, um, people from other different communities that are underrepresented because it's a fantastic opportunity for everybody. I want to actually ask Tim and Anna that question as well, because Laura, like you said, this, there's a debate here and I want to know what, what you both think of that as well. Anna? Yeah, this is an area we've been doing a massive amount of work on. Um, as an organisation, we've got this kind of unique position where we work with employers, we work with schools and colleges and students and their families, so parents and carers. And we also work with training providers. So we kind of, we see the, the challenges, but the opportunities from all sides. Employers, I feel, are really up for this challenge. They understand that diversifying their workforce is a good thing and they want to be more inclusive. They want to try and um, bring in a bigger range of applicants for their apprenticeship opportunities. The challenge, however, is how they connect, connect that from kind of the aspiration into actually being able to do it and it actually taking effect and not just encouraging a diverse bank of individuals to apply for the opportunities, but ensuring that they're successful through their recruitment processes as well. And so this is a bit of a challenge for employers because they're having to rethink their recruitment processes the way that they attract candidates um, and the way that they support them through the different stages. Alongside that as well, we will, I hear from schools all the time kind of saying, but what about our disadvantaged learners? What about our learners who have learning difficulties or disabilities? How can they access the same opportunities? And then I will hear from local authorities who are saying, and what about our care leavers or our young people who are in the youth justice system? How do they get the same level of access to those opportunities? So I don't think we're there yet. I think there's a massive amount of work being done in this space. I think you've got organisations like the Social Mobility Commission challenging government to do better in this space, which I think is a good thing because it gives that kind of momentum. And then you've got individuals like myself and Tim and Laura, who are probably on the ground working with the businesses, the individuals, the parents and carers, the schools, and trying to connect it all and come up with practical solutions, practical ideas that people can implement so that we do start to move forward. It's not good enough for us to kind of uh, scratch our heads and say, oh, this is a real problem. Someone should do something about that. We've got to take this opportunity, I think, to start to do things differently. Anna's really hit the nail on the head there with her points around diversifying access to apprenticeships. I guess the you know, the elephant in the room here is that the overall number of apprenticeships is currently going down in this country. Um, And that's because the secret source of an apprenticeship is that it comes with a job. And at a time when the labour market is really challenged as a result of COVID, um, it's inevitable uh, that apprenticeships are going to be subject to those whims. So I think from, from our point of view, uh, as people who want to champion apprenticeships and see them grow, we have to look at what are the growth areas in apprenticeships and how do we do more of them? Um, and I think one of the big successes of the system that we have at the moment, and I think it really is a success, there are now lots of different com- countries all around the world who are looking at the UK system and thinking, how can we how can we take some of the lessons from that? How can we recreate some of the benefits? One of the big benefits is that 
The system really is responsive to the things that employers want. And at the moment, some of the biggest trends are the growth in apprenticeships, both in social care, where we know there is a massive amount of demand, and also in digital and tech. It's a great way to get into those industries, um, whether it's through coding, data analysts, uh, digital marketing through an apprenticeship. And we've got to look at those growth areas and go, how do we do more of them? How do we capitalize on those benefits and really drive growth of the overall apprenticeship market? I do want to talk about the changing attitudes as well around apprenticeships. You've all touched on that. And the government announced in July that it was scrapping its target of getting 50% of young people in England into universities. I wonder what you think is the reasoning behind this and what it tells us about the changing attitudes. Because I imagine if I'd have asked people in the street the same question that I asked you at the start, you know, what does the word apprenticeship conjure up in their minds? We would have had a lot of very different answers. Some good, some good, obviously. Others perhaps not so positive. So while the whole system has changed, have attitudes changed enough that it's a viable option, I guess? When young people are considering, do I go to university? Do I do an apprenticeship? Tim? Well, it's it's a really valid question. I mean, there is a massive debate uh, about um, the 50% target, whether it ever was a real target, and whether this is uh, political signalling by the government about where their priorities lie, or something that's actually going to lead to policy changes. Um, I think what's, what's driving all of this, uh, and it's something that I feel very personally, is that um, we're turning very much in, into a country that is divided on the basis of education rather than united around it. My background before I got into apprenticeships, is I, I worked in government, I was a political campaigner and worked for Theresa May and then on, on Brexit. And one of the things that leapt out to me is that the number one predicator of whether you are likely to vote leave or remain in the referendum was whether or not you have a university degree. Um, and whichever side of that divide you sit on, I don't think anybody thinks it's good to live in a divided country. So I think what the government's trying to suggest is that it's all about providing better options for those people who choose not to go to university and also perhaps a bit of competition um, for those university degrees which aren't delivering the promise uh, that, that young people and indeed people later in their careers were sold when they were told that this was the route they should go down. Um, Anna, I want to ask you the same question because Amazing Apprenticeships and, and White Hat both set up to promote and change the perception of apprenticeships, particularly among young people. I absolutely love this question because I get to tell you about my personal experience. So I left school 22 years ago. I did have to add it up. Um, and um, I was one of those young people who was expected to go to university and really didn't want to go. And so I was, I think this is where my passion personally comes from and what I've been campaigning for for years and years and years. Um, when I was at school, there was a massive expectation that you did your A-levels and then you went to university and you got your degree and then you would have a successful career. So when I decided that I didn't want to follow that path, the reaction that I got from the school, from my friends, from my family was one of fear because they'd all believed that actually if you were going to be successful, you, ha you had to follow this route. So I went traveling, I went off and did other sorts of jobs. Um, and 10 years ago, I set up my business because I'd been working in this space. I've worked with schools around apprenticeships and apprenticeship awareness for 
lots of years now. And I recognised that we needed to do more. I now have this really privileged position where I work with, and my organisation works with more than 4,000 schools and colleges across the country to ensure that teachers and careers advisors are receiving really good information about apprenticeships and that we're working with them to understand how they can have those conversations with their students and with their students' families as well. Um, What is really obvious is that for so many teachers, and I'm from a family of teachers, I should say, um, but for so many teachers, their career path is that they they do a similar thing. You know, they do their GCSEs, they probably do their A-levels, they go to university, they get a degree, and then they become a teacher. So they haven't necessarily been out into the workplace and worked alongside apprentices and seen the variety of roles that now exist. So I see it as my kind of responsibility, really, to work with teachers to help to expose them to this brilliantly exciting world of apprenticeships, but not only to inspire them, but to inspire them to be able to pass it on to their students in a way that really gets those young people to understand what those opportunities are. And like Laura said earlier, how you go about accessing them. We know that the perception around apprenticeships is shifting. We've still got a long way to go. But if you think about where we are now, uh, regularly working with more than two thirds of the the schools and colleges in the country, compared to where we were maybe 10 years ago and the kind of the level of information about apprenticeships that was in schools, it's unrecognisable. My long term goal really is that teachers will be able to talk to their students about apprenticeships with the same level of confidence they can talk about full-time university so that those two options and other options as well you know there's lots of other things that young people might want to do when they finish school that aren't apprenticeships and uh, full-time university but that they can really help those young people to explore all of those options and that when a student goes to them and says I'd like to look at an apprenticeship that they don't get told no 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 that's not for you Um, but actually they've got a teacher that will sit down with them and say okay brilliant let's get started and uh, and wouldn't that be a wonderful place to be wouldn't it I wonder how far we are from there Laura you're sort of straddled in the middle aren't you apprenticeship ambassador at the Open University that's right yeah so the Open University is one of the the largest um, higher and degree apprenticeship providers in England so we um because we've been kind of supporting students to learn and earn since the OU was founded over 50 years ago, working, um, moving into supporting apprentices and training apprentices was a very natural move for us. And it really supports our mission to open up education opportunities for all. And, uh, and indeed, a lot of the apprentices who um, are at the Open University are older apprentices. So I think it's also kind of getting that message out that the degree apprenticeships are uh, a viable alternative to university, not just for the 18-year-old, but actually what about that healthcare worker that's worked in an, an assistant role for 15 years at the NHS, perhaps left school with a handful of GCSEs? And we've got people that then in the in NHS will say, I can see something in you. You've got some talent. I'd like to put you on the registered nurse degree apprenticeship programme. You know, that, that opportunity to gain a degree for those people that left school with, you know, perhaps no confidence and for one reason or another didn't get the qualifications they wanted or needed, it's life-changing at, at any stage in your life. And I think, you know, going back to what Anna said, the, these quality measures about apprenticeships have been in place for a couple of years now. So as we get more and more graduates, as we get more and more apprentices that can show 
you know, their wage returns and what they're doing in their businesses as they're after their apprenticeships complete. I think that will really help get the message out there how fantastic they are. I want to change tack a little bit now and just focus perhaps on the unusual times we find ourselves in. I think that's a, a delicate way of putting it, shall I say. Um, Tim, with your government hat on. We're going to focus first on Brexit and then we'll talk about the coronavirus pandemic. But two big things that have affected already uh, the world of apprenticeships. Focus first on Brexit, Tim. And I appreciate we haven't fully Brexited yet, as it were, but what impact has it already had? The approach I take is that I think Brexit actually will have a very limited impact on apprenticeships. Um, All the regulations are owned internally in the UK and our relationship with the EU doesn't have to have a big impact on that whatsoever. What will have an impact though is the future immigration system that the government sets up as a consequence of Brexit. And if you think of businesses at the moment, they are competing very hard to find skilled employees who can do the tasks that they need in order to be able to grow. and one of the consequences of, of changing our immigration system and reducing the pool of, of talent that uh, businesses have to fish in is they're going to have to work even more intensely with the population that's immediately available to them, which will be people inside the UK. And here, apprenticeships can be a, a massive part of the solution, right? Um, you're no longer going to be able to uh, attract uh, quite so easily as many workers from abroad. Um, so what you need to do is look at the workers who are available to you and how you can equip them with the skills to, to deal with the challenges that you face in the short term. Now, you know, it's going to take a while to know exactly what our immigration system is going to look like post-Brexit. And I know it's something that a lot of businesses um, are worried about and spend time thinking about. Um, but I think the, the long-term macro trend is that this is something where, you know, apprenticeships really can answer some of the problems that we face. Now, the kind of the other part of your question moving on from Brexit was around COVID. And here, I think there's a much, there's a much bigger challenge at play, which is that, uh, as I said earlier, the secret source of an apprenticeship is that it comes with a job. And if there are fewer jobs available, then it's going to have an impact on the number of apprenticeships that are available. Um, and I think we have seen some level of action here. Um, you know, the government's introduced a, a set of incentive payments uh, to those companies that pay uh, that, that, that bother to recruit extra apprentices so you can now get uh, between two and one thousand five hundred pounds for each new apprentice you hire and I think that is a step in the right direction uh, for uh, companies that are looking to take on more people and can have a positive impact but I would love to hear from both Anna and Laura what impact they think they've that's had so far um yeah unfortunately I don't think we've seen a great uptake in the incentives yet I and I don't think that's uh it's not because they're not good although we would have liked to have seen them to be a little bit higher. But um, I think our problem, and I can speak as a small business myself, um, this year has been so hugely disruptive and has really rocked the confidence of a number of small businesses that I think um, employers who really want to employ with integrity and want to create good opportunities where their apprentices will have a really good experience are perhaps holding back a little bit from from launching those recruitment opportunities at the moment because uh, perhaps around confidence of the sector that they're in, uh, perhaps capacity, you know, who knows what's been going on in their businesses. But I think we definitely know that the disruption that we felt in our personal lives will have also been felt in small businesses as well. Um, Saying that, 
we have seen apprentices starting um, their apprenticeship programs throughout lockdown. We have seen employers recruiting. We have more vacancies um, coming through each day, although there are less than we would normally be experiencing at this time in the year. But the good news is that some employers are recruiting. Those apprentices are able to start and they're starting in all sorts of different ways as well, depending on um, what the, the lockdown or the tiering situation is. We've seen apprentices being onboarded from their homes. We've seen apprentices, new apprentices being sent equipment and having their full induction programs delivered to them remotely. We never could have envisaged that that's what um, starting on an apprenticeship would look like. But I think, you know, all credit to employers where they have been able to keep going with their recruitment activities. Laura, sadly, we have seen a number of reports, though, suggesting the situation has led to more apprenticeships ending in redundancy. Young people, particularly vulnerable to the economic impact of the coronavirus pandemic. We know we've heard some of the things from the Chancellor, Rishi Sunak, last week's spending review, of course, extending the apprentice incentive scheme. Um what do you make of the government response to the pandemic? The government I mean, have introduced these incentives. So this is a, a payment for the employer to incentivise to take them on, to take on a new apprentice. Um, but I think our experience is those, you know, large employers that might have already taken on an apprentice really is, you know, one and a half thousand, two thousand pounds going to make a big difference to, to them. I'm not sure. But where I think that incentive could and should make a difference is with SMEs. And those small businesses most recently are are thinking about kind of day-to-day cash flow. Many just don't have the headspace to think about apprenticeships. But I think next year that will start taking off again. And I think those incentive payments could make a bigger difference to the SMEs. I mean, if if the government could think about more for small businesses to take on apprenticeships, I think that would be helpful. There There was talk possibly about some kind of more wage incentive to support small businesses to take on apprentices. But I do appreciate that, that, that money is tight. I mean, the Open University did actually do a survey recently of, of over a thousand businesses. Six in 10 employers are expecting to hire more apprentices over the next 12 months. So that's really encouraging. But it was very much skewed towards the digital and health sectors and obviously less so in those sectors that are really suffering with COVID. So, you know, hospitality uh, and tourism, for example, I think that will be much harder. And I think the government might need to look more closely about how you boost apprenticeships in those areas in the coming years. Tim, what would you be advising number 10 or number 11 um, right now, the incentives for employers? Do they go far enough, do you think? And, And should they be playing up their green ambitions a little bit more? Well, I, I'm just to loop back on what Laura said. I, I, I totally agree. And I think um, what it has persuaded a lot of companies to do is if they weren't already offering apprenticeships, this is the payment has been enough to make them look twice at it. Um, but I would I very much doubt there are going to be many companies out there for whom it has been a decisive factor. My advice, I think, uh, is twofold. Um, the first is I think there is mileage in, in salary subsidies, and that is something that is employed in lots of countries around the world, plenty of European countries, Denmark, uh, and again, um, further afield in places like Singapore. Uh, I think if the government recognises that 
keeping people, perhaps specialising in young people in particular, um, keeping them in education, keeping them trained and engaged in the labour market is a net positive for the country, um, then it is something that's worth investing in. And there is already a sector that is delivering high quality training and high quality jobs that it's worth putting extra money into. But Obviously, that competes against a whole load of other objectives and, um, you know, we'll work with the government to try and support them to make it happen. Um, and I think the second point is around those kind of green jobs that uh, everyone knows are so important. You know, the climate emergency, you know, everybody knows it is the number one threat facing not only the country, but also the planet. Um, and if we can, if we can dress uh, the solution to those crises in something that creates jobs, particularly in in green areas like battery development or uh, you know the rollout of new tech and um, uh, new solutions to um, the kind of legacy energy production, then you know that can be a massive opportunity uh, for creating new jobs as well as solving the biggest crisis we face. Okay, Laura, what is different now then for a job seeker if they're thinking? of an apprenticeship, say, compared to they were pre-pandemic, what would your advice be to them? Well, it's obviously very challenging at the moment because there are fewer roles um, out there and and more people applying. It's a much more competitive environment. Um, So I think it's tapping into the career advisors and um, the mentors and work coaches that um, we've talked about. And indeed, the Chance has announced more um, job coaches through Job Centre Pluses to support seeking um, employment. The OP University has actually just launched a program with the Department for Work and Pensions to help people with job preparation activities, uh, to write your CV. There are free courses available for people to think about um, how to work as a team, career resilience, you know, an introduction to the workplace, or indeed things like managing your money or um, mental health support so it's it's I think it's perhaps looking at some of those free courses that are out there and they're they're available and can be used for people from all ages and at all levels um, just to help boost people's confidence perhaps get some of those badges for their CVs. Finally crystal ball time everybody um, what is the future of apprenticeships and what part are they likely to play in bridging the skills gap in the UK Anna? I think apprenticeships are going to play a crucial part in in the whole skills landscape uh, as we kind of move through the next few years. Um, I think it's a really exciting time for apprenticeships. I think the changes that we've seen and kind of how they're structured, how they involve employers in the design of them as well, means that they're really well placed. Um, We need to see more opportunities created. But I don't doubt that when we do, that we will have lots and lots of individuals wanting to apply for them and wanting to use apprenticeships as a way to progress their careers. I think they've got enormous potential. They've got enormous potential across the whole of the economy, but they've got particular potential in areas like digital transformation. One of the big trends is things moving online. Uh, Every company, regardless of what they do, having to become increasingly tech-focused. And there is enormous shortage of people with skills in those in those areas. And given that apprenticeships are popular with young people, there's huge demand for them and popular with employers. I think there's a natural space there for apprenticeships to really take off. And finally, Laura? Uh, I mean, I agree. Apprenticeships are fantastic because they're, they're connected to the labour market insofar as they respond to what employers need, what skills they need. And they're providing that on the on the job training for that young person or older person to apply their learning. So in terms of 
um, COVID and the pandemic and the response that the government needs to do to boost jobs, boost growth, apprenticeships fit perfectly. So our big interview this week is Richard Harbin, founder and CEO of HomeServe, one of the world's leading providers of home repairs and improvements. Now, HomeServe has recently launched the HomeServe Foundation. This is a not-for-profit arm that's helping to support the creation of thousands of new UK apprenticeships by 2023. We'll get Richard to expand on that very shortly. But welcome, Richard. Just first want to ask you, what is the skin in this game for you personally? as well as for home serve, but why are apprentices, apprenticeships and improving skills so important to you? I've really, uh, really enjoyed learning all my life and um, learning new skills. Uh, I did my uh, private pilot's license once. Um, I remember going to uh, Stanford University in 2007 and uh, learning new skills there about how I could be a much better leader. But I think we need skills and learning for everybody. And if you just look at those school leavers and say not everybody wants to go to university, uh, so we should have more apprenticeships. Uh, the skills that are really, really useful to this country, I think, are um, those uh, skills that you can use with your hands, uh, some of the trades like plumbing and heating, and um, they are uh, really essential. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up and having this conversation with my parents, the idea of not going to university would have shocked them. It it just wasn't done, the idea of apprenticeships. Why now do you think that they are a viable alternative for people? I think it's because there are uh, lots of unemployed graduates out there that have done uh, courses that uh, don't fit with the skills that we need in this country to um, keep our homes operating Uh, to um, keep businesses running. And uh, so apprenticeships, I think, are overlooked. And we should be encouraging a lot more school leavers to um, uh, look at apprenticeships rather than necessarily thinking, oh, I must go to university. What role do apprenticeships play at home, sir? What sort of progression do they have, opportunities there? Absolutely. We're a a big employer of uh, plumbing and heating engineers, Uh, We have around um, 850 of those. Uh, We have our own training academy in uh, in Nottingham. Uh, We've just taken on the the next cohort of apprentices, uh, totaling around um, 40. And I think it's particularly important at the moment because there's a um, a big big skill shortage within the construction industry. And um, Brexit. I think, gives us a real opportunity to um, develop more homegrown talent. And uh, a big priority is people are living in the homes a lot more. Uh, Things are going wrong. Uh, People want more home improvements. So we need those additional skills in um, uh, home maintenance and improvement. It's interesting because a lot of the conversations I have, particularly around the pandemic, which you sort of alluded to there with people want more home improvements, a lot of people are staying at home more, and Brexit as well. Very negative tone when we speak about apprenticeships and apprentices as a result of that. And there are many reasons for that. But listening to you there, there are also opportunities. Yeah, I think um, apprentice starts are down uh, more than 50%. So it is really important that we uh, we find ways to encourage more apprentice vacancies 
that we get those school leavers that are saying, I really want to be an apprentice. And um, yeah, we're all living in our homes more, uh, looking around saying, uh, I could do with a bit of painting and decorating. And I really need to have a, um, uh, a bigger space for working from home. So those represent real opportunities. But if we haven't got skilled labor to, um, to do those things, then that's going to be a real problem. Is this what led you to launching the HomeServe Foundation this year? And what was the thinking behind that? What do you hope it's going to achieve? What gap was it trying to fill, I guess? Yeah, I've been a big believer in uh, apprentices for a long time and thought, uh, wouldn't it be an ideal time right now to set up the HomeServe Foundation, which is a not-for-profit arm of HomeServe, and it's to help support the creation of thousands of new apprentice vacancies by um, 2023 to plug that skills gap that we've been um, talking about. And the mission of the HomeServe Foundation is making homes better and building better communities. And I think that's really, really important that uh, we need to be supporting our local communities around where we have our um, call centres, where we have our home workers, uh, and where we're um, operating our businesses from. How are you exactly going to do that? First and foremost, we've set up a a website which uh, enables people to find out about apprenticeships, both potential apprentices and also their uh, employers. And I think what's really important is tapping into the SME community, those small business people, where actually it's quite a big decision to take on uh, another apprentice, or in many cases, it's their first apprentice. And what our research tells us is uh, they're worried about the red tape. How do I do it? Uh, how do I find a great apprentice? How are they going to get trained? How do I sort of link into the local training college? And surely, if I put a lot of effort into training them up, as soon as they're qualified, they're going to leave me and work for themselves or go and work for a bigger employer. So I think it's holding their hand and trying to overcome a lot of those uh, barriers. We heard earlier from our panel of experts that it was hard for SMEs to take on apprentices, suggesting that the incentives from the government just aren't enough to persuade some employers that it's, that it's beneficial for them. You know, is the government doing enough to encourage businesses? Uh, they are providing some incentives. We would like them to provide a, a bigger level of, of incentive. Uh, we did a survey amongst a 1,000 checker trade trades of the 50,000 trade businesses that we now have on our um, checker trade platform. Uh, that's one of our uh, home serve businesses. And the survey came back and said, I would love to take on an apprentice. And more than half of those that responded to the survey said that, which is really, really encouraging. But equally, they said, uh, I would really need £7,000 in the first year to uh, help me make that leap and make that big decision. And that would represent around half of the salary of an apprentice in the first year. And we think that that's not unreasonable. And if we could just get that level of funding even to test it in an area like the West Midlands, which is where um, HomeServe has its head office, then prove to the government that uh, we can sort out the skills crisis within the construction industry, that we can get lots of those checker trade trades taking on a, an apprentice for the first time. And 
uh, not just them, but many other small employers within our sector. And that's going to be a real help when we come out of COVID. And as a country, we're trying to um, fight against that potential rising unemployment. Hmm. So then in that regard, what would you say to employers that are thinking and considering about taking on apprenticeships at the moment? I'm a great believer that out of every problem is a bigger opportunity. Um, It's been proven that the best time to set up in business is um, uh, in a period of recession and crisis. And I think the same applies to taking the leap and taking on an apprentice. Never a better time to do it. Uh, This country is going to grow again. There are masses of opportunity. And if you haven't got that extra pair of hands waiting for the uh, the growth to come along in your business, then you're going to miss out. So absolutely, uh, now is the time to do it. Do you think we'll get to a stage where if my parents were to give me advice now, young Georgie, um, they would say, actually, an apprenticeship is a is a great idea. Are we there yet? I don't think we are. I think we need more education of parents to say um, this is not about uh, second rate citizens that haven't managed to get into university. There are lots of really skilled youngsters out there and they'd be much better going and doing an apprenticeship. It would be uh, they would enjoy it more. It'd be using their um, uh, those skills that are much better suited to them. Uh, it will help the country more. It will help repair and improve homes and in many other sectors, uh, far better than um, uh, a load of unemployed graduates. And we should point out, as our panel of experts did earlier, that this isn't just about young people. At any age, you can decide that you want to turn your career around, do something different. Uh, Absolutely. And maybe in six or eight months' time, there'll be a lot of people that are in uh, managerial-type jobs or clerical jobs and um, working from home. And they think, actually, I need to get out and about and I would really like to retrain and become a plumber or a heating engineer or an electrician and um, get a bit more social contact and get out and really um, help those homeowners with their um, uh, emergencies when they have an hour of need. If you had a message for the Chancellor, Rishi Sunak, or the, the Prime Minister about the importance of apprentices to getting out of this situation that we find ourselves in at the moment, what would you say? I'd say thank you for all you're doing so far, but you just need to go one step further. And it would be a pity if you don't, because that one step further will make all the difference. And that is about uh, put some of these grants together, get to the magic £7,000, and uh, in return, I'll promise personally that uh, we will take on 25,000 apprentices across our checker trade trades and within HomeServe over the next three years. Fantastic. I I do want to ask you about, there's a lot of emphasis, isn't there, about new, different, varied apprenticeships in tech and all those sorts of new, exciting sectors. What about the focus on traditional sectors? Not that they're not exciting, of course they are, but have we sort of lost the focus there? I think we have. And that's, um, I've been talking a lot about the construction sector, but I think that's where there is the uh, the biggest skill shortage. Um, that's not to say that we don't need more um, uh, digital designers, uh, tech people. Uh, we were a nation of shopkeepers. Uh, we now want to be a nation of um, D 
digital entrepreneurs, and that's really, really important. A lot of these online platforms like uh, like Checker Trade, a market for finding a um, uh, a local trade for home repair and improvement. Uh, we're a massive employer in Portsmouth of um, uh, digital tech capability, and uh, hopefully one day we're going to scale that platform and put it into uh, many countries. And um, so there's a big need there as well. Crystal ball time. Where will we be in terms of attitudes towards apprenticeships in 20 years' time? I'd like to think that uh, they would be more popular than uh, university places to say, I'd like nothing better to go and learn a, uh, a real skill, uh, do it earlier than having to go through necessarily um, uh, A-levels and then university. And um, uh, that would be great to see. Richard, where next for HomeServe? I've been in this business for um, 27 years and uh, I feel we're only at the beginning. There have never been more opportunities uh, ahead of us. Um, Our big country, which uh, we're well on the way to conquering, is North America. Uh, We've got four and a half million members there. In the long term, there's no reason why we can't have um, 10 million members that are buying our home assistance cover through their local utility. Uh, What excites me even more is taking the online platform of Checker Trade, finding a local tradesperson that's been vetted and checked. We need to get all of the trades in this country onto the platform. So it's not just about uh, check a trade. It's about checking any trade, uh, logging those customer reviews, uh, providing great ways that uh, homeowners can use a, a local trade through Checker Trade. And I'd like to see that platform um, expanded globally. No reason why that can't happen. There hasn't been a massively successful British tech business that have beaten all of those Americans. And I just think there's a little chance that HomeServe might just do that. Brilliant, Richard. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to all our guests, to Richard Harbin, founder and CEO of HomeServe, to Tim Smith, Director of Policy at White Hat, Laura Burley, Apprenticeship Ambassador at the Open University, and Anna Morrison, CBE, the founder and CEO of Amazing Apprenticeships. And of course, to you for listening to the first episode of All About Apprenticeships. Next week, we're going to be hearing from the Apprenticeships Minister, Gillian Keegan, plus meeting our apprentices, who we'll be checking in with throughout the series. Now, if you have any questions for our panel of experts or any comments on what was said today or your own experiences that you'd like to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can find out all about the HomeServe Foundation on Twitter at HSV underscore foundation. Just use the hashtag all about apprenticeships. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please do leave us a rating and hit subscribe wherever you've found this podcast. It helps other people find us. 